0: Good evening everybody. I think I just scared somebody. I saw him jump a little bit. I'm not going to call you out though. Secret's safe. Welcome to Grace Church this evening. Great to see you here this evening and for those of you joining us here on campus we would like to say welcome and for those of you that are joining us via live stream and Facebook live welcome to you as well. Great to have all of you here. I just have one brief announcement this evening, um, and many of you are probably already aware, but Sunday the 14th is Mother's Day, and hopefully you're already making preparations for that, but definitely want to keep that in mind. I want to leave you with something this evening before Pastor comes. It it comes from a a devotional that I've been reading uh, called The Dark Night of the Soul by Joel Malm. And he said that uh, there's a story about Teresa of Avila, who was a Spanish nun in the 1500s and a reformer. And she was complaining to God in prayer one day about her trials and God's seemed absence. And in response to her complaints, God said, do not complain, my daughter, for it is ever thus that I treat my friends. To which Teresa replied, ah, Lord, well, it is also on that account that thou hast so few few of you got it. So she's basically saying, Lord, if this is how you treat your friends, well, it's no wonder you have so few of them. It might be a little bit irreverent to say it, but um, if you followed Jesus for a while, you've probably been disappointed or disillusioned with him at some point. I'm going to let that sink in. You may have even thought that God wasn't very godly at times and has left you feeling abandoned or betrayed. We've called out to him and he doesn't seem to answer, at least not in the way that we hoped he would. And it's in those times that doubts start to creep in and you start to wonder, is this walk of faith even worth it? Is there anything to it? I wanna take the pressure off for some of you here tonight because periods of silence in our walk with God are just normal. It's a part of the journey, and there are countless reasons why. If you haven't felt a dark night of separation from God or confusion at some point in your journey with Him, well, there's a really good chance that the God that you're following is a God that you've created in your image, because the true God is a God of mystery, and He does not always explain Himself. And the more that we know Him, the more that we realize just how little we really understand his ways of doing things. So a dark night of the soul, a dry season, a wilderness experience, whatever you want to call it, Grace Church, those things are not punishment. They are a part of the process. And we, whenever we understand the importance of the dark night of the soul and the pattern of God's work in our lives, it can help us get the most from the season that we're in y'all think about it God bless you
1: I remember hearing a a very prolific preacher a number of years ago never forgotten it said he went two years in his life to complete years, consecutive days, weeks, and months, back to back, that he did not feel the presence of God one time and cried and prayed and fasted and did everything he knew to do to I don't know regain favor to try to figure out what he had done that God would not allow him to feel the presence of the Lord never could come up with nothing and uh, after two years that cycle that season of his life broke and um, he in the presence of the Lord was reunited and he never had an answer I think two of the most greatest attributes a person can have in your relationship with God and I'm saying this in response to what Jason just presented is first of all there has to be a trust factor that just don't allow you to question you just trust him and of course Job is the biblical example of that and I think a lot of people get trust and faith mixed up they're not the same and uh, if you learn if you can learn how to trust God and you can certainly learn how to have faith in God. And um, this man would cling to at least one verse in the Bible where Jesus promised, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. And he came to understand that even though he didn't feel the presence of God, God never lost track of him. That he was always in the hands of God and his steps were still being ordered to the Lord. And he learned that. I've heard people say through the years that you should never question God. I I don't really know a human that can't help it. When you go through times in your life that's not explainable, there's no answer, there's no rhyme, no reason. As I preached a couple of Sundays ago, it's when you just grab a hold of the hand of God the best way you can and just hang on until God begins to move and manifest himself in your life in one way or another but the Bible did make this promise when you were tried you will come forth as pure gold and I believe it's imperative that we learn these lessons and not ever think that God has abandoned us and because of it I'm going to give up on God that's that's silly that's foolishness that's childishness it's immaturity And when you're tried, of course, it brings spiritual maturity. Uh, And you understand a little bit more through each trial. You learn a little bit more about how God works. And Jason was right. God is a mystery. And um, about the time I think I've got some part, some minuscule part of God. I mean a tiny minuscule part drop of water size part of God figured out something happens and it just blows that theory away and I just you trust him you have faith and uh, it works trust and faith has gotten a lot of people from here to that heavenly city and I'm not sure you'll make it there without both of those components it's great to see all of you here tonight thank you for being here I believe I see Dallas Turpin back there. Uh, Great to see you sir and uh, glad to have you here tonight and uh, of course welcome to Grace Church. You're always welcome at Grace Church. It's great to see you. All of our folks here tonight, thank you for being here. We appreciate you so very much uh, for coming out on Wednesday night and we've been having a great time on Wednesday night and uh, really thankful for that and uh, thankful for what God is doing. Uh, a couple of things I need to bring to your attention before we go to our presentation here tonight is <coughs> uh, I was informed that if we have a, one of our sweet ladies or two that's willing to help us in the nursery uh, on Sunday mornings during the eleven o'clock service, I think we've had five, and they rotate around. And it's worked out really good, and uh, but we need we need a person to step up if you can do that if you've been through membership and leadership if you'll see sister Landry we would sure appreciate your help it would mean about every four or five Sundays um, you'd be in the nursery otherwise you'd be here in the sanctuary so we would certainly appreciate it I had this conversation with brother Dave uh, a lunch appointment or two ago and uh, we agreed that I wouldn't go public with this but I've changed my mind, imagine that, don't happen too often but sometimes it does. Um, I have just for the past four or five months have just felt really compelled to literally start a home Bible study on Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. You can call it a Sunday school class if you want but it's just the old traditional home Bible study with the pastor. Uh, we start in Genesis and methodically go all the way through. I'm not sure it will be an every Sunday thing. It might be every other Sunday, what have you. If you've been through this with me before, I would appreciate you deferring and uh, let someone else go through it. I'm interested in maybe about five to ten people that can be consistent. If you, if you come every three or four times, you're not going to get that much out of it. You're going to miss the point you'll need to be consistent but if you'd like to go through it if you just let the church office know um, if I do it I'm not sure when I'm going to start it there's a lot of activity coming up uh, in the next month or two but I would be interested in doing that and uh, as some here uh, I'm thinking right now specifically of the tipplers I think we went through 13-14 months of home Bible study virtually once a week there was times we canceled of course but uh, I can string it out for a long, long time as long as there's interest there. And uh, so if you'd like to go through it, I go through it very methodically. Um, we filled as many questions, have as much discussion as we can. As a matter of fact, I terminated a home Bible study one time because I couldn't get the two people I was teaching to say anything. Y'all understand? Yep. You have any questions? Nope. have any comments nope we're good okay I need to hear something back I mean we don't take test written test so I don't have any other way to gauge so I like for it to be interactive and um, like to have questions and comments and things along that line we don't beat up other religions we don't beat up people Uh, we just talk about the Bible and uh, there's a whole lot of subjects we'll cover so if you're interested in it let the church office know Um, I hope Sister Landry's not able to be here tonight maybe she's watching live stream because this is the first she's heard of this coming up possibly and uh, so now she's finding out if someone asks her about home bible study on Sunday morning she'll know what I'm talking about if not I will catch up with her later uh, to get her informed of that so uh, but let the church office know and I'll be happy to take about five, ten people we'll find a, a room around here somewhere on Sunday morning at 10 o'clock pull out the chart and we'll have a lot of fun have a lot of fun one of my most favorite questions to ask in, in home bible study is on the first day of creation God created light y'all remember that on the fourth, third day of creation he created the sun so uh, think about that he created the light before he created the source of light as we know it so where did the light come from so we'll talk about things like that and many many others and it'll be a lot of fun again great to see you and um, I'll be a little more teachy tonight than preachy but who knows as we get into this I can't always predict how it's going to turn out I want to read tonight from Acts chapter 4 and I want to I want to talk to you tonight about a, a subject that I think is very relevant uh, to our church at this time, uh, we're in such a uh, the church is in such a great place. We're experiencing some growth. We're baptizing people, having people receive the Holy Ghost, and this is, I believe, going to be a very re- relevant, um, very relevant material to talk to you about. Acts chapter four, verse thirty-six, and Josies or Joseph, who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas which is being interpreted the son of consolation a levite he was of the uh, tribe of levi of the, the tribe of the priesthood of israel and of the country of cyprus let me read another version of that <clears throat> same verse there was joseph one of the one the apostles nicknamed Barnabas which means son of encouragement he was from the tribe of Levi and came from the island of Cyprus I want to talk to you tonight for a little while about to my my title is to be an encourager this isn't as simple as this title may lead it to be to be an encourager I had a conversation yesterday with my brother And uh, we had lunch together, his wife, Sister Murph, and I, of course, and uh, my sister and and niece. And somehow we uh, got off onto creation, knowing the ark. It was a long conversation, an excellent conversation. And uh, my brother mentioned that the wives of Noah's sons were not named in the Bible, And we went on and talked about a few other people. I think the most uh, famous person in the Bible with no name is Lot's wife. We just simply know her as Lot's wife. I made the statement to my brother that there were times in my life that I thought it had been really cool to live in biblical times where you would have been one of the characters in the Bible. But over a period of time, when I have realized what the Bible does with most of its characters, it leaves no secrets and no stone unturned. It was probably better that I was born when I was born. Uh, I'm okay, or at least if I was in the Bible, would you please leave my name out of it? But I mentioned that. We had that conversation. Of course, it was frivolous and humorous. But if you could be any character, in the Bible, and more specifically in the book of Acts, the birth of the church, the apostolic era, etc. Who would it be? Who would you want to be if you were one of the characters in the book of Acts? Would it be Peter, the Pentecost preacher? Would it be Dr. Luke, the prolific writer? What about Paul, the magnificent missionary? How about Apollos, the mighty man of scriptures? Would you settle for being a Timothy that was just simply a learner? I think we've all had dreams sporadically throughout our lives about being one of these people and how it would have felt to have been one of these people. There is an absolute champion. In the book of Acts, that stands out, and he has been so overlooked all of these years, and I want to put a of the, the spotlight on him tonight. His name was Joseph, but his nickname was Barnabas. He was an encourager, that was the one characteristic about this man that he was known by. Let me rephrase the question again about being one of the characters in the Bible. If you were in the Bible, what characteristic of yours would the Bible have written about? Barnabas is best remembered for only one thing. He put courage into the hearts of others. Barnabas is best remembered for only one thing. He put courage into the hearts of others. It was his constant, consistent attitude. It was his way of life. I would go as far as to say that was just his personality. We all know people, there's even people here at Grace Church that are known by their characteristics. may have one or two that might be an, an idiot. I mean, when you just think of them, that's, I'm teasing. Y'all all know me. But we have some sweet people in this church. We have sweet people in this church. We have prayer warriors in this church. We have patient people. And there's people of all kinds of characteristics. Are y'all following me so far here tonight? Is there anybody here that you can think of just off the top of your head that is an encourager? that their strongest attribute, when you think of them, you say to yourself, if I need encouragement, that's the person I'm going to call. The reason this is so relevant, as Jason alluded to, if you will, when he opened the service tonight, all of us go through times and situations where we question God himself and need encouragement. Is there somebody here that you would default to if you needed encouragement? In my opinion, Barnabas has has become one of the most influential men in the New Testament, yet you very rarely hear that much about him. He didn't write any of the books of the New Testament himself. Some believe he possibly may have written the book of Hebrews. But I will tell you this, he is indirectly responsible for most of the New Testament being written. Without Barnabas, it is doubtful that we would have any of Paul's letters. He really encouraged Paul. It's possible we wouldn't, have any, we wouldn't have Luke's gospel. We wouldn't have the book of Acts. And we certainly wouldn't have the gospel of Mark if it was not for Barnabas and his gifting, his ability to encourage people. How did he accomplish this? The, this is why I do not want you to take my title tonight as being oversimplified. How did Barnabas accomplish this? How was he this man that drove the men you hear about all the time out of the book of Acts? He drove them to their success. He encouraged them to their success. How did he accomplish this? The answer is short, but it is certainly not simple. He encouraged them. I want you to understand Sister Murphy and I, of course, and I think you would expect this to be true, we have had our moments with people here at Grace Church through the years where all they needed was encouragement. They just needed encouragement. Some people have said, and I agree, that sometimes the best way to encourage people is not say anything. You just listen. Just let them talk. Let them vent. Let them express themselves however they want to do it. Um, this isn't in my notes, um, who's the pastor, um, Sister Murphy and I were talking about the other day, was it Mark Warren? Um, Rick Warren, excuse me. Um, his son committed suicide and he needed encouragement. Is there anybody here tonight that feels qualified to encourage him in a situation like that? That's why this isn't as easy as it sounds. And he, years later, came up with a ministry that he just simply called presence ministry. Just being present. He said he realized that people came to his home to encourage him, but did not know what to say. And he said he felt like the Lord nudged him and said, I didn't send them to say anything. I just wanted you to know they were there. They were present. When you couldn't see the embodiment of me, I manifested myself through them. Powerful statement. Barnabas, through utilizing his gifting to encourage people, The gospel was spread throughout the world, throughout the whole world, literally. He assisted others in their personal, ministerial, and spiritual growth. He invested in the lives of others to edify them or build them up and expected little to nothing in return. didn't expect any return, that's just who he was. The end result of his efforts was always the same. The church was strengthened and the kingdom of God was expanded. J. Robert Ashcroft, a theological college president, once said, let your emphasis be on the creative and constructive. When you're dealing with people, when you're working with people, let your emphasis be on the creative and constructive above the critical and the corrective. He was saying this in his development of a former student of his. He said, there's nothing wrong with being critical and corrective. Just don't put your emphasis there. Give yourself to being creative and constructive with people. I'd like to introduce to all of you folks here tonight a fact. There is no scriptural evidence in the Bible whatsoever, zero none, that fault finding is a spiritual gift. Did y'all know that? Amen. It's amazing how good we are at it. If we could take that and flip it around, we could be the best, most encouraging people on the planet. It is so much easier to find fault with what somebody has done or not done than it is to encourage them in what they're doing or not doing. Amen? It's not as easy as it may sound, but it's doable. Locating problem areas in any relationship. Everybody listen. Fault finding is not a spiritual gift. Locating problem areas in any relationship, in any family, in any ministry, in any organization. It's not difficult. Everybody here tonight can find something wrong with everybody here tonight. Your hair's ugly. You're overweight. Your clothes need ironing. You don't smell good, you don't look good, you don't sound good. We can find fault, but can you find something positive? Something creative, something constructive. This is encouraging people. Sometimes we have to set our personality aside to be an encouragement. That's another Bible study for another time. But solving These things takes initiative and innovation and insight. takes intelligence, inspiration, to be inventive, to be imaginative, to give people input. Being critical and corrective is the easy low road. Being creative and constructive is the difficult high road. And the difference in the result between the two is night and day. One of the challenges of getting older or being part of any group for an extended period of time is not becoming cynical or critical. We tend to carry many painful memories and moans and misfortunes and mistakes of the past and allow them to color or to distort our future. Encourage if you'll notice with me tonight, encourage is a 15th century word that means that we can inspire with courage or confidence. It is an attitude to persuade, to spur on, to help. It is the effort to build confidence. It's what encouragement is. And I believe tonight, everybody here has the potential. We have the potential. We have the ability to do it it just needs to be developed and the best way to develop it is to do it did you know that Barnabas risked his life he literally risked his life he literally risked his reputation to encourage the New Testament man that we first meet him his name is Saul Barnabas literally risked his life to encourage Saul and to bring him to the apostles at Jerusalem. The Bible said in Acts chapter 9, verse 26, listen to the reading, it'll be on the screen. And when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he essayed to join himself to the disciples, but they were all afraid of him and believed not that he was a disciple or that he had converted. But Barnabas took him. But Barnabas took him. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles, and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way, and that he had spoken to him, and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. And he was with them coming in and going out of Jerusalem, and he spake boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus, and disputed against the Grecians. But they went about to slay him anyway, which when the brethren knew, they brought him down to Caesarea and went Uh, And sent him forth to Tarshish. Then had the churches rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria. And were edified. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost. And were multiplied. Because Barnabas risked everything to bring Saul of Tarshish to meet the apostles. And they were terrified of him. Barnabas made that happen. This is why I said a little while ago. It's possible. That had not Barnabas been in the place he was in, doing what he was doing, it's possible that none of the New Testament books written by Paul would have ever been written because Paul would have never been allowed into the ministry. He'd have never been allowed to be put in a place where he could write to them. But Barnabas single-handedly made that happen. And then in Acts chapter 11, The Bible said the hand of the Lord was with them and a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. Then tidings of these things came unto the ears of the church which was in Jerusalem. And they sent forth Barnabas that he should go as far as Antioch who when he came and had seen the grace of God was glad and exhorted them all that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord for he was a good man full of the Holy Ghost and of faith. And much people was added unto the Lord. Then departed Barnabas to Tarshish for to seek Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch. And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with a the church and taught much people. And the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. It's interesting that they were called Christians there first because the work of Barnabas. You talk about... Manifesting Jesus to people is to encourage them and to see their ministry develop, to see their gifting develop, to see, don't put them down, don't fall into the fear thing and, oh, what are they going to do and this and that. Stick your neck out for somebody once in a while and be an encouragement to them. You never know what God has in store for them in the future. I want to say it this way. I wonder how many people have never been developed in their walk with God and their Christianity Because the right person was not there at the right time to encourage them. Barnabas encouraged Paul. And he became one of the greatest missionaries of all times. He encouraged the church at Antioch. They were strengthened. And that's where they were first called Christians. Notice this story in the Bible, one that you don't hear a whole lot about. John Mark, or we know him as Mark, but John Mark was rejected by Paul. But Barnabas didn't give up on him. Barnabas couldn't help it. That's just who he was. I'm thinking of a person tonight, and I want to be very careful here, but was, had backslidden, was away from God. I went through times of incredible discouragement. Sister Murph knows what I'm talking about, where there's just no more we can do. But Sister Murph never gave up. She never quit. She never stopped. She called. She texted. She called. She texted. And now this person is a very vital part of our leadership team. Sister Murph never gave up on her. And I thought of that when I was preparing for tonight, that John Mark was rejected by Paul. I didn't reject this person, but John Mark was rejected by Paul. The Bible is very clear on that. But Barnabas didn't give up on him. John Mark went on to write the Gospel of Mark. So had Barnabas not been there, we may have not had the Gospel of Mark. But later, because of Barnabas, because of his tender encouragement, not only with Mark, but also Paul. Paul wrote later in 2 Timothy chapter 4.11, he wrote to Barnabas, and he said, Take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. He wasn't profitable then, but when Barnabas got done with him, he made him of value. He gave him purpose. He made something out of Mark to the point where Paul said, When you come, bring Mark, because he's valuable to me now. You did a great job, Barnabas. I give you a lot of applause. You worked with Mark. You did what needed to be done. The point is, as great as Paul was, as mighty as Paul was, Paul couldn't do that. Paul couldn't do it. Paul rejected him. I don't want the dude around me. Get him out of here. He's a waste of time. I had a very wonderful minister in my life that, said one time that I wouldn't amount to anybody or to anything. And um, I'm glad there were people that believed otherwise or I wouldn't be here tonight. I've lived this. I've lived both sides of it. Paul could only see the failures and and shortcomings and the liability of John Mark. But Barnabas saw beyond that. Barnabas saw his fullest potential. He injected courage into him Otherwise, the young man would have returned from his missionary trip discouraged, disgraced, dejected. He could have drifted away, fading into the pages of Acts and never heard of again. And what's interesting to me about this subject of encouragement is one would think that with Paul being such a recipient of encouragement, he would have the ability now to reciprocate it. But that's not always the case. Sometimes the most encouraged people are the last among many to encourage someone else. So just because you've been encouraged does not automatically mean you're going to walk around encouraging other people. Doesn't mean that. You have to develop that. You have to understand the necessity, the value, and what have you. And then you can encourage people. It just doesn't always come naturally. With everybody but I am happy to report as you read on through the New Testament particularly Paul's letters that eventually Paul did get it and that he did mature to a place spiritually where he could encourage others his books to Timothy and Titus are letters of encouragement all of Paul's epistles contain such elements and were designed to strengthen the church but this is best seen in Paul's letters to Timothy his adopted son and the ministry. In 1 Timothy 1:3, Paul encouraged Timothy to keep the faith. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6, he encourages him to stir up the gift that's on the inside of him. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, he encourages him to pass the truth on to others. So Paul after a lot of discipline, a lot of accountability, and certainly a lot of encouragement from Barnabas, understood the necessity that even though that's not my natural gifting, that's not my natural talent, I need to learn how to do that. I need to learn how to be that. And he did. And so can you and I. The Apostle Paul could have understandably been critical and cynical, As he sat in a cold, dark prison cell close to the end of his earthly life. Instead, he was creative and constructive. And under the direction of the Holy Ghost, he penned supportive words to Timothy and Titus. He made every effort to encourage them for what they may face on tomorrow. He understood and integrated the example Barnabas had so aptly modeled in front of him. To be an encourager. You ever wonder why the early church, I'd like for you to notice this part of this Bible study. It's, it's key. Um, if, ever, if, if I want to drive a point home tonight, it's this one. And it's, it's one that I've learned from uh, just over the past several years. It's, it's, it's been a lesson, a valuable lesson. But you ever wonder why the early church did not select Barnabas to be one of the senior leaders? never given a title given a position a valuable lesson can be learned from this it is not necessary to be selected for an office in order to faithfully serve and or impact the organization it's not necessary to be selected for an office in order to faithfully serve your church or your family Barnabas clearly was not position-minded, neither was he power-hungry. Most are prone to defend their territory or what they consider their acquired ministry or earned place in the kingdom of God, but not so with Barnabas. Amazingly, as Paul's popularity and ministry grows, the ministry and reference to Barnabas begins to shift and to fade. Watch this. We see things, when you start reading the book of Acts, we see things starting out as Barnabas and Saul in that order. Barnabas and Saul, which later became Paul. You read that in Acts 11, Acts 12, and Acts 13. But then when you get to the end of Acts 13, and then Acts 14 and 15, it shifts and the names reverse order. Now it's Paul and Barnabas. And finally when you get read on through the book of acts Barnabas fades altogether and Paul takes center stage the real test of leadership is how a leader responds once he is no longer in the spotlight and many have turned this into chief disappointment, discouragement, and despair. According to Bob Sanders, he said, the acid test of an encourager is the ability to let someone else take the lead and get the credit, to recognize potential in a colleague and encourage him or her to move ahead without becoming jealous or resentful. That's Barnabas. Barnabas knew how to call forth the best in others through encouragement. One of the significant ways that Barnabas encouraged others was through his words. And words, of course, to most people, has the power of a drug. It does Words can be incredibly destructive, but they can also be incredibly fulfilling. Glenn Peace said, words are powerful tools of influence all of us can speak words and so all of us have the power to encourage or discourage others so let me share with you five things quickly i'm bringing this to a close to be an encourager number 1 to speak a word wise solomon spoke words that are fitly spoken in proverbs 25:11 There's power in words. There's power in the right words, especially at the right time. Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 4, so encourage one another with these words or comfort one another. He said in 1 Thessalonians 5, so encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already doing. Barnabas taught him how to do this. He said, we sent Timothy to visit you. He is our brother and God's co-worker in proclaiming the good news of Christ. We send him to strengthen you, to encourage you in your faith, and to keep you from being shaken by the troubles you were going through. But you knew, but you know that we are destined for such troubles. Speaking a word of encouragement to people can change their life, can change their future. Words are that powerful. So you speak a word. Second thing you do is share a word. When, when was the last time you shared the Word of God with a friend going through a hard time? Do you know enough of the Word of God to be able to do that? God's Word will certainly lift a person's spirit and increase his faith, according to Romans 10, 17. Isn't it great when you read in the Bible, Hebrews chapter 10, and the Word of the Lord came saying, and let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially as you see the day approaching. You share a word. Number three, you write a word. A young struggling friend met an elderly lady. He wrote, a woman told me she had something to show as she handed me a book. It's God's promises for me. I have something very similar sitting on the table next to my chair at home. She told me to read the first thing I came to. I opened the book to this. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting or lacking nothing, according to James 1.4. He said, she will never know how I felt at that very moment. But this verse is so true in my life right now. Just write a word. Write a word. Take time to send a note to someone to encourage them. It doesn't have to be long. Peter wrote in his epistle, I have written and sent this short letter to you with the help of Silas whom I commend to you as a faithful brother my purpose in writing is to encourage you and to assure you that what you are experiencing is truly part of God's grace for you stand firm he said in his grace and finally pray a word prayer unites your words with the forces of heaven I do it I do it it's very rare that I pray without incorporating a verse in the Bible in it. Uh, It's very rare that I pray without Bible in my prayer. But prayer unites your words with the forces of heaven. Take every opportunity to pray for someone who needs encouragement and to do it while they are listening. I have enjoyed through the years praying with people and tried my best, sensing what they are going through or experiencing or whatever, to quote to them a scripture in their ear while I'm praying with them. And their countenance changes the vast majority of the time, their counsel brings tears, it brings a smile, it changes their countenance in one way or the other. The Bible is that powerful, it's that strong, it's that it's sure, it's, it's that hope, it's that promise. So here's your assignment tonight. Think of a time that someone spoke a word, wrote a word, shared a word, or prayed a word with you. When you think of it, how did it impact your life? And then turn around and be willing to share, not that experience, but share that newfound ability with someone else who's going through a tough time. I shared with somebody just recently, um, I've said it two or three times, I don't like to expound on it too much, it's, it's negative, and, but it's true, that last year for Sister Murph and I were probably the most difficult year we've had in ministry. And uh, it's a long story, and we both have concluded that nobody really understands. It's okay. We were encouraged throughout the year in various ways through various people. But you may remember the second Sunday of this year, invited Brother A.J. Holloway to come preach for us. What's interesting about this story to me is I scheduled him to come preach for us the week after he was here the year before. So I had not had any communication with him for a year, none. We didn't text, we didn't call, nothing. I didn't read any of his vlogs, blogs, OGS, MOGS, all that stuff. I like to make up words to illustrate the point if you haven't noticed. I didn't I had no communication association with him. He walked into my office, Brother Dave was sitting there uh, the second Sunday of, of January. He was in the office three or four minutes, exchanged pleasantries, and he said, I had a vision of you on the way to church this morning. I was crossing the Mississippi River Bridge, and he began to explain my, mostly my temperament, my attitude, my spirit, and what have you from last year. And he said, God told me to tell you that you were tried last year by God When you were at your lowest, when you were as low as you could go, God decided to try you, and he said you passed. He didn't know. He had no idea. Now, had we been talking all throughout the year, and he said that, it wouldn't have carried nearly any weight with me whatsoever. But I knew he didn't know. He didn't, we don't have friends in common that I know of. And I didn't share a lot of this with a lot of people. So no one knew but nobody will ever know nobody will ever know i have not been the same since that sunday and i came to conclude this is going to sound selfish but i came to conclude that sunday that he didn't come to preach to grace church god sent him that sunday to share that with me and all of the preaching you've heard this year from pastor all the teaching as a result of the encouragement I got from him that Sunday. It was life-changing. I have not been the same since. So i opened this presentation tonight, essentially, with sharing with you about the preacher that had not felt the presence of God for two years. Let me take a moment and continue with that story He told that story on a Wednesday night at the First Church before I went in ministry. Sister Murph and I were there, and he came to the pulpit, and he said, this has been one of the worst days of my life. He said, leaving to go to the airport to fly to come to preach here, I was running late, got about halfway to the airport, and realized I forgot my airline ticket. Had to turn around and go home. Now I'm later getting to the airport, afraid I'm going to miss my flight. I tried to kiss my wife goodbye, and I missed her mouth. That was an interesting picture to formulate in your head. By honey. Oh, sorry, missed your mouth, whatever. And sitting on the pew on the platform that night, he said, I just I looked down at my lap and watched as the button off of my coat popped off and boom, boom, boom off on the floor. And he said, I, I just hadn't felt God in two years, and now all of this happened, and I don't even know what to say to And, of course, people laugh, but the tragedy of it is it wasn't funny. It wasn't funny. But I know people here at Grace Church, over the past several years especially, have gone through unbelievable nightmares spiritually, emotionally, on a parental level, on a marital level, Uh, just have fought demons and circumstances and events and you're still here. And because of it, I believe we all have developed the ability because of what all we've been through and experienced, we can certainly now encourage other people that if I made it, so can you. And I really believe that here tonight. I want to encourage everybody here tonight. This isn't very personal, but I want to encourage everybody here tonight. If I have made it this far, knowing who I am and what I'm about and how I'm wired, you can make it. If you know what him and his family have been through, if they made it, you can make it. And I can go on and on. I look at the Wheelers. I talked to Brother Wheeler several days ago, a week or so ago, just as happy and jovial. It's almost annoying. You ever talk to people like that? They're always happy man, life ain't just, it ain't that all the time, just ain't, but that's who he is, that's who he is, and just his happiness, his joyful spirit and personality after all they've been through, losing their son to a drunk driver and all that, you know the story, it's encouraging, man, when you see people that have walked to the gates of hell and back, and they still have a great attitude and great spirit, it encourages me, and you people encourage me tonight, and I'm very thankful for all of you for the blessing you are, for the strength you are, the inspiration you are to Sister Murphy and I. So with that tonight, be an encourager and help somebody else. And if you help somebody else, it'll help you out in return. God bless you. Thank you for being here tonight. Um, I hope this has been encouraging. (laughs) Amen. God bless you and thank you so very much. Thank the Lord. So with that tonight, we're not going to do the altar service and all that we've been doing on Wednesday night. We'll just dismiss right where you are. Walk around and tell somebody something nice, something kind, and try to encourage them a little bit, make them feel better before they go home. God bless you. You're dismissed, and we'll look forward to seeing you Sunday morning.